So we do have a guest, and I want to say, hey, so I never did catch your name. So what is your name? Oh, my name is Tiara Reed. I'm the owner of Inspire Engage Educate, which is a consulting company that uh, partners with schools. I'm an education and business consultant, so I partner with schools to eradicate education concerns, and I partner with uh, businesses and budding entrepreneurs to help change a passion into a plan and then ultimately into a brand. Oh, wow. I like the way you put that. Hey, that's what's up, man. So let me make sure I get your name straight. It's Tiara. Tiara. It is. Okay. That's easy to remember. That's easy to remember. Hey, that's that's pretty inspiring, man. Definitely uh, is something that we definitely need in our generation. And I'm pretty sure schools are always, you know, looking for opportunities for that school to, you know, be helped or be inspired or be encouraging um, anyway. So, but let's go ahead and really get into it. So, where did you grow up? How how was it for you growing up? Where did you grow up? One, sorry. <laughs> uh, it was. It's it's funny. I know you and I mentioned this a little briefly. Uh, when our initial meeting, I grew up. I have the best of both worlds. So I definitely came from humble beginnings. But I can also claim not only the Midwest, Detroit. I can also claim the South, Mobile, Alabama, for uh, my upbringing. And uh, I definitely had a, a upbringing full of a love and uh, just, you know, just just a lot of experiences that uh, that not only inspired me to be the person that I am, but also taught me the value of hard work and uh, determination and tenacity. Nice, nice. Now, I know that you mentioned humble beginners. Can you? Can you kind of explain what you what you mean by that, by oh. humble beginnings for you? Oh, absolutely. So I grew up uh, in the time, I'm actually 38 years old. It'll be 39 in two weeks. Hey, Cinco de Mayo, baby. <laughs> and uh, I'm like super excited about that because uh, growing up the way that I grew up back in the 80s and the 90s, I grew up in the... Um, in the middle of the time where my mom, she was a single mom with two daughters. And that was really rare. I know uh, many of you guys, what in, in 2020, it's like often we see single moms. So uh, back then it was rare, but it was a huge community, a village of people that helped my mom. And, you know, so when I say humble, I'm just thinking about all the times that um, we had to definitely, uh, you know, my mom, she uh, didn't start driving until I was in ninth grade. So many times we had to, you know, use public transportation and make some sacrifices sometimes when maybe you wanted to invest. And, uh, you know, going to, I would say maybe like the skate rinks or the movie, but you would have to, of course, make the best uh, choice for the family. So that's what I mean by humble beginnings, where you learn the value of use what you have in order to, you know, move to the place that you want to be in life. Oh, so I get it. So basically utilizing the resources that you have right now to get to where you want to be. Now, it's it's funny how you say that, because even when even when people think about, you know, really following their dreams or just actually making the, the initiative to really get things going, they think that they have to have everything. Like they have to have all the money, they have to have all the network, all the connections, just everything right in front of them. If they don't feel like they have all the resources that's provided to them, 
right then and there, then they get discouraged. And sometimes that can prevent them from actually maximizing out on their fullest potential. So it's it's crazy how you learned that skill set at such an early age because not a lot of people have it. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. It's funny, too, that you mentioned that you – that Alabama was definitely a part of your childhood because that's somewhere I would like to travel. Like, I want to go to uh, Selma. Selma. Oh, Selma, Selma. Okay, yeah. Selma, yeah. Definitely. That's about 20 miles outside of where I, where I attended my undergrad uh, and got my degree, Alabama State University. You know, I'm not mean to di- I don't mean to dis- be disrespectful. That is the best uh, HBCU, Okay. So, uh, yes, that's in Montgomery, Alabama, but I was raised in Mobile, Alabama, the home of the Mardi Gras. So I know people hear it in New Orleans, but yes, yes, Mobile, Alabama started. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, you made a a valid point. We, and I say we by just African-Americans, period. If you can just look at the trajectory of our race and our history, uh, just being great at improvising and being innovative is like the DNA of our spirit. Right. Definitely, man. Definitely. I think uh I think about what's her name? What's her name? Uh make sure I pronounce her name right. I think it's Adam C. J. Walker. Madam. Not- Madam C. J. Walker. Adam, Madam C. J. Walker, right. Yeah, she she was definitely a prime example of of making of nothing out of something and just building the building the empire so so definitely so uh let's go ahead man let's go ahead so what are some of the things that i guess for you growing up like i know you said that you know your mom was basically the one that was raising you and supporting you did you have any other um struggles maybe in school or making friends or you know trying to find your way you know to fit in or anything on the lines of that, so far as in, like, just any other struggles that you had or insecurities, you know? Well, yeah. So when I go back in time and I think about my childhood and, you know, it wasn't not, it wasn't only my mom. I have also a sister that's six years older than me. She was uh, in my uh, my early informative years. She was definitely uh like I had I felt like I had two moms because of course being a single mom my mother she had to work and she was very spiritual so of course attend church but um of course you know my sister she uh she also made a lot of sacrifices you know so back then and even now when you do find a home where there is a single mom and there are multiple children or there's an older child they make a lot of sacrifices for the family as well so um, when I think about myself and any uh, things that I had to go through, I just recall even wanting to go to college. You know, I am the first person in my family to have not only uh, multiple degrees, but to also, uh, you know, go to college. And I remember filling out the applications, but when it was time to go, I literally had to um, solicit support from a teacher that is so near and dear to my heart. I love her so much. Uh, She helped me fill out my FAFSA. That was another, you know, um, thing that could have took me under, you know, not being able to have someone to uh, really help you. So that's why uh, once experiencing that, 
that was like the one of the first things that I thought about when I um, got into education because I initially wanted to be an attorney. I had wanted to be an attorney since I was about five years old, seriously. And, um, you know, I just thought about all the different times that a teacher showed up for me or an educator showed up for me. I remember even being so far as uh, in the first grade and my grandma passed. I remember my teacher, you know, she went above and beyond to support me and my family. So uh, when I was in college and I made that unpopular decision uh, to transition from law into education. And I say unpopular because I, that was like my initial moment where I saw that I am not fancied by money. I'm always fancied by, or, you know, inspired by my time, my passion and how I feel. Because, of course, you know, an attorney, they make an astral amount of money. You know, there is no limit. They're entrepreneurs. But, you know, I, I went into education where, of course, teachers have a cap. And But I just saw myself doing something that was going to uh, help the youth and give back the way that people had, uh, you know, invested in me. Wow. The first way. I'm still like, <laughs> I thought the fact you said you were the first. So you were the so let's be you were the first person in your family mm-hmm. to go to college. So I know that you said that you know when it came to FAFSA, you had to have a teacher kind of just help you and support you along the way. I just want to know what was that thought process like to to be inspired and moved to even say you know what I know I never really seen no one in my family really do this, but I think I'm gonna go ahead and take that step and make the initiative to better myself and go to college and get a degree? Like, what was that thought process like? Well, the thought process was, like, I always had, and at that point, like, I have a um, a model that not only inspired uh, my apparel line, but also the book that I've been working on that So, um, the the whole model and mindset is I'm not great by mistake. So when I think about that, that is definitely a um, just a, t- a tune that obviously had been echoing in my heart and brain, and I didn't even know about it because I just thought about you know it didn't matter whether I was the first, it was just going to happen. That was something that was going to happen for me. And if anybody was going to be the um, the exception to the rule, it would it would have been me. Wow. Wow. That's 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 really inspiring, man. I think uh, maybe for people who who are who are out there listening, it, it just goes to show, man, you can definitely set the tone and be the first to go to college. You can be the first one to be an entrepreneur, the first person to be a lawyer, a doctor, whatever it is that you have the ability to do because Sierra, like you said, you I mean, prime example especially being an African-American woman, like being able to say, you know, I'm going to be the first person to go to college and, and make that and make that step. So that's, that's really inspiring. I'm inspired by that. Oh, and so I know Thank that you, you. are you welcome? Hey, you inspired me like right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm in college and I've, I've been in college since 2014. So I've been to school for a long mm-hmm. time. So just, just hearing that right there, like, just inspires me to want to keep pushing through with these classes. But I know that you mentioned something about this book, and then you said 
something about your apparel line. So I definitely want to get into all that good stuff, all that good information. All right. So what was it? Like, I, I know you said you mentioned about, you know, going to college and you have a book. But when did you realize that you had a passion to make a difference? I know you say you had teachers in your lives that were really impactful and helpful. But what was it? What was that moment for you personally when you said that I want to step and make a difference? And then being like lawyers, they they don't they, they make a lot of money. And, you know, like you said, teachers have a cap. So, like, what was that moment for you? Well, I'll tell you when this happened. So I actually, I graduated from high school in 1999. I am on my 21st year of out of college. I know I'm mean, out of high school. I know I don't appear to be 38, but I am. And I just recall, um, you know, going to Alabama State. And in 2001, uh, all of you education majors or anyone in the field, you've heard about No Child Left Behind. You even see the residue. Uh, of the whole um, state mandate assessment. So I was at the, uh, the we were the pioneering age for that. So in 2001, when baby Bush uh, signed that into law, they, uh, the government released a, a massive amount of money into the community. And uh, it was up to different schools and states to figure out how are we going to bring these students the third graders and the fifth graders and the eighth graders up to the uh, the cognitive level that would help them to um, to flee this uh, the tunnel that was of course leading our children into um, into the prison system because that was the idea behind it. If they're not reading by third grade, the statistics were uh, that you know that was an indicator that they would pursue a life of crime so those were the threshold grades the third grade the fifth grade and eighth grade so that's just a little bit of history behind we used to call it nickelby but it's no child left behind that was the first um law and of course president obama revised it and moving forward so going back to 2001 being a, a law uh, a pre-law student i was given the opportunity to have a work study to uh receive grant money from the no child left behind uh, law and that grant money in uh, entitled me to go into schools and work with teachers to tutor third and fifth grade students in reading and in math. So that was when I really had the epiphany that I I really like this. Like it really uh, it made me. I had immediate gratification to help a child seem to not get it once the teacher went over it but as soon as they moved to the side with me they would have it instantly because of course I was I was young so I spoke their language I kind of knew what they were into so I used my intel that I knew about the children to reach them and the rest is history wow I actually do want to touch on a little bit um if you know, I know you have been a teacher. How long were you a teacher before you before you left the field? Uh, well, I, no, I'm still in the field. I will forever be an educator. I actually I taught in the classroom. Yeah, classroom. Yes, for yeah. I, so I, the first year I was in the actual classroom, 2002, was when I started doing my. Um, my student teaching and all of that. So uh, I always 
say that I stayed in the classroom for maybe about 10 years. And then in 2012, I was given the opportunity, of course, to transition to school improvement. And what that uh, in, uh, gave me the opportunity to do was to go around to schools, going back to that end of the year assessment data that schools uh, historically used to drive the decisions that they were going to make with instruction. I would help the schools come up with the game plan. What were they going to do? What the program looked like? How are we going to measure success throughout the program? So that's what I did for about three and a half years. And then um, from there, I transitioned into, actually simultaneously, I began doing, um, I was an adjunct professor. So I would uh, teach uh, novice students who were entering into the education field and, you know, of course, be their field supervisor. So along that uh, journey, I was still, uh, you know, doing school improvement, transition into um, a university full time. And uh, at the university, I uh, consulted with school districts and that led me to, you know, creating my own company to consult on my own behalf. Look at you. Look at you. Wow. Man, that's what that's that's what's up, man. I actually do have a question. Um Mm -hmm. so what is your personal take on the no child left behind policy? Do you think that 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 really played out for a lot of a lot of students to be successful? Because I remember growing up where I still felt like and a lot of other pretty sure a lot of my other peers as well they were still like left behind, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of students weren't like really understanding information. I know that that's still one of the issues today in education. So do you think that it really played a bit role? I don't know all the statistics and the logistics of, of it, but you know, do you, do you personally think that it helped in a major way or? Well, you know, of course, this is my personal opinion. And, you know, being that I, you know, like I said, the whole Midwest and uh, South uh, experience definitely showed me that something like No Child Left Behind was very important to be implemented as a national law or expectation because when uh when a student is like i was in the fifth grade when i transitioned so i was in uh the fifth grade in detroit there was a whole different pedagogy so the way that the teachers taught the expectations uh it was um at a very high level and then when i moved down south into a fifth grade the expectations were not as rigorous and um teachers pretty much taught what they wanted to teach. There was no uh, expectation from, you know, district, nor state, nor federal, in my opinion, as a child, because I just saw that it was vastly different and I didn't feel challenged. Hmm. So, um, you know, when No Child Left Behind came about in 2001, I definitely welcomed it personally because I did see that, it definitely made those teachers who did want to teach the butterflies the whole year, (laughs) you know, kind of step it up. Like there are other things that you have to teach that you're uncomfortable with. And that's what it is. A lot of times when laws and um, legislature, you know, any type of legislation in education 
the teachers are the number one, um, they, they implement it, right? So it's basically, if you can sway them and make it easy for them, then it will go well. If you cannot sway them and you do not invest in building capacity in their abilities, it won't happen because uh, most teachers, and I know it's transitioning now, they were the um, end-all, be-all to the knowledge, meaning that they were not going to discuss, share, or teach anything that they were uncomfortable with because they didn't want to appear that they were not all-knowing. So, you know, it just goes back to a lot of ideologies. So um, did I think that that was a, a really good call at that time? I think it was because it got the conversation started. And, um, you know, yeah, so we'll see. Like right now, what we're going through where all state tests were canceled and then we'll have all the kids coming back and they'll be back at their school. I'm sure there'll be a lot of, um, you know, loopholes in, in many of their you know, many of their uh, content learning uh, abilities because of this, you know, this huge time off. And all of them are, of course, you know, getting they're learning different ways. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. So um, I don't know if they'll have a state test next year either, but they're going to need something to just calibrate where the knowledge level is for all the students. Wow. Got you, got you, got you. That's that's some really good information. So what what was it like for you personally as a, you know, when you stepped into being a teacher, what what was that personal experience like for you? What were some of the ups? What were some of the downs? Did you ever feel drained out? Did you ever feel under unappreciated, like no one really saw the value in you? Because I know that's a big thing um, that a lot of teachers – um, where they don't feel appreciated and they feel like they go unnoticed, but they go through, they have to go through so much. So I guess for you, what was that experience like with working with the kids and all for you when you decide to step into the uh, education field as a, in the classroom? Well, you know what? I was very fortunate. And the reason why I say that is because I have always not only just been the type of educator, but the type of person, whereas I'm, I'm extremely creative and I am the type of person whereas if I if I'm okay with not knowing things like I'm okay with collaborating I'm okay I'm okay with you know um, asking for advice and because I am that type of person I was able to uh, flourish really quickly and I had an amazing uh, mentor oh my gosh I uh I did start off in Alabama, like right after uh, college, but I left and went to Houston, Texas, and I was cultivated into an amazing teacher because I had the type of mentor that would literally come into my classroom. Uh, she would plan with me, then model a lesson. My, like I had four periods. She would model how the lesson looked for the first period, and then like, so basically it was the I do, we do, you do for at least my first um, two weeks of being in Texas. Just think about that. So by the uh, second week, she immediately was like, listen, you have it, you got it. And of course, begin to do, you know, the gradual release or the scaffolding, um, you know, what we know that's good in education. 
So like, you know, that I think is like the, um, how you start and how people invest in you or cultivate you into this field plays a massive role in uh, the success, uh, your success. And I'm glad that I was able to, I, I taught at many schools and I like that because it provided me opportunities to adapt and to grow because every different school or leadership had its, its, uh, you know, its positive sides. And of course, you know, it's cons as well, but, you know, you grow from interacting and um, experiencing vast experiences. I mean, that's just it. So have I ever been at the point where I felt um, that my compensation did not fit the energy and uh, the dedication I was given to the field? Absolutely. In 2008, I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a huge recession. And uh, in, I was actually teaching here in Georgia and there was a, a, a huge, maybe like three to five years where teachers did, in Georgia did not even have a raise because of you know the economic situation. Now that of course didn't stop teachers from doing their best work. However, your bills, they don't, you know, they don't decrease your family expenses. They don't decrease. So I could see, you know, compensation sometimes being an issue, work relationships, you know, um, you know, maybe making people making decisions that are best for uh, them as opposed to the students. Like there are a lot of different, you know, um, cultural issues sometimes within the school, but the focus is to, to keep your mind, on what's going to be the best decision for your students. That's it. Wow, wow, wow. And I like, I really like what you said when you said that you had an, an amazing mentor. You know, I think that that's so important. Just like even in general, like if you was to, if, if anybody out there may be listening like that has a goal or or some type of dream and you want to reach that like I'm just even thinking like how you were able to start a brand now you got a parallel and you went into the education field and in, in you know in the classroom and you went through the things that you went through but along the way you had some some form of mentorship that kind of just showed you the ropes in some aspect and so that just goes to show one big thing is that no one can really get to a like very high level just alone. Like some people, they'll look at them on social media and they, and they be like, "Man, I want to, I want to do that. I want to be like that." But a lot of people gotta understand is that along the process, someone helped them. Like if that's money, if that was time, if that was energy, dedication, knowledge, wisdom, whatever the case was, someone helped that person get to where they are today. So I really. I'm appreciate that point that you made about mentorship is definitely a uh, well needed in um just across just across the board. So what? So now it's time to get to the the business side of things. What 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 are some some strategy steps that you took? Like what was a very you took for you to get your education consulting business off the ground? 
Like, what are some steps you feel like people can take or just just a, in general when it comes to building a business? So that was a, a very loaded and great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when I think so, I'll go from me personally and then I'll go to uh, I'll go from me to you. So with me, I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. However, when it came to what it was that I really wanted to do, I had to ask myself uh, a really good question. What brings you joy? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, that's your question. Like, what is it that brings you joy? Well, what brings me joy is to inspire others. And if you don't know what brings you joy, you just think about it. What do you spend the most time doing? I spent the most time encouraging people, helping people to be their best. I'm an educator, you know? And even with that being said, I'm a, a, um, a cancer survivor and thriver. I had breast cancer in 2017. And that was the, the um, I guess, the largest push that, hey, whatever it is you want to be in life, go ahead and be it because you don't know how much life you got. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and do it. And after that happened, I began to just do research and d- decide, okay, what is it that I want to do? I want to inspire people. And who is it that I can uh, reach out to or learn from that is inspiring people in the way that I want to inspire them? So I knew I wanted to tell my story and I wanted to tell it in a way that will, uh, of course, I keep saying it, but inspire people. So uh, Lisa Nichols was one of the one of the first people that I went back to in 2008. Eight, I believe I started like reading her um, her books and you know listening to her speeches but I went back to her after um, cancer and then decided to uh, travel go to her conferences and she wasn't the only one I began to um, you know read books like Contagious and um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, I think the seven habits or, you know, it's just a lot of, I just begin to just really, really read as much as possible. And there are a lot of other books that I, they are not coming to mind right now, but uh, like going, like I said, going back to what you said, it is so important for us to reach out, tap into, uh, invest in ourselves when we feel as if we want to grow in a field. You know, I have three degrees in education so business was something that I knew that I, I was good at it. Just, you know, of course, just by nature, making great decisions, being creative. But I really wanted to learn more and enough that I could help others. So, um, but yes, that's what I began to do, invest in myself. So what would be my advice to someone who wants to start a business? First, I would say you have to think about what brings you joy and then think about how does that joy that you that bring how does what brings you joy um how could that help someone else does it solve a problem because that's what people invest in they invest in problems being solved we all do it you know you have a, a cell phone the cell phone's created because people wanted to be mobile they wanted to go they wanted to walk around that was a problem right so the, the cell phone so you have to um to think about it okay it brings me joy but will it bring others joy? Or and, and then if I have this idea, who else out there has it? Do market research and 
you know, they call it R&D research and development. Definitely, you know, see what is in the market for um, that or who is in the market doing exactly what you want to do and um, see what you can learn from them. And also be uh, be very uh, selective with what you say in your initial stages. And let me tell you why. Because you have to have that time to have trial and error and to pivot and to uh, make decisions without going back and say, ah, so let's say, for instance, today, you, you, what brings you joy is making a food truck or having a food truck. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to do a food truck. But yet you haven't sat down and wrote a plan and kind of, you know, looked around to see who else has a food truck that's kind of like the one that you like and, you know, see how much are people willing to pay for food on food truck, what are the expenses and but then you start telling people. And then once you do the research, you're like, no, nah, I want to do a food truck. I want to do a pop up restaurant. So now you got to go back <laughs> and tell those same people. No. So yeah. in your initial stages very it's very important for you to of course i'm not saying not have a girlfriend or the people who are in that industry that you may tap ta- you know tap and say hey i would love to shadow you or learn from you but um just the masses you know so just try to really take that time out to um to get your plan concrete at least know you know the um the pros and the cons of you entering into this new venture know who's out there who's willing to uh be a customer of yours and most importantly focus on service and not mm-hmm. money passion and not mm-hmm. currency and let let's me go. tell you why let's go because, because when you initially start your business money is not is not going to flow as as much as it, it's going to your money is there their prosperity is there However, you just got to get to it. And to get to it, you have to be driven by the idea that this work or this idea is going to serve someone that really needs it. And you, you have to focus on that because that passion is what will uh, fuel you when the money does. Mm. And, and if you're doing it, if you're doing something purely for money, what's going to happen when you right. don't make money? Ooh, talk about it. Talk about it. So you you really have to do what you love. It has to bring you joy. And I'm not saying like, like you know, joy today. You know, I mean, just unspeakable joy. Like you think about it often and, you know, uh, you would even do it for free. You know, like I just remember um, this month, I've been offering parent pedagogy classes just because I love teaching and I know a lot of parents are in a situation where they didn't sign up to be a teacher. They didn't go to college to be a teacher. Now they have to be someone's teacher, which of course is their child, but still. And I just, I felt that that's a need. It's not a need that I'm trying to monetize. It's a need that I just felt it was good to share. It was good to, you know, to give back. So it's just things like that. You just got to really know what brings you. And down. you know, I, you got me excited, man. The, the thing, the thing that you said was so important. Yeah, you talked about what brings someone's joy, and I think I remember Kobe Bryant. He said something about your passion, and I think it's something along the lines of when you can't stop thinking about it, like it's on your mind twenty four seven. And then you also mentioned about the money factor, 
like money it, it like the brand i feel like the business or the brand if you're so passionate about it and it brings you joy then the money's going to come you know the money's definitely going to come but also like looking to serve yeah. It's already there. The money, everything you need is already there. It's just up to you to get to it. It yeah, is there. Yeah, I agree, man. And and then you talked about serving, serving and helping others, you know, meeting the need. Like, I remember, it's so funny. Like, I remember when I, um, I just decided I was working at a warehouse and I wasn't getting paid much or nothing. And me and my brother, we used to have to walk um, basically two hours just to get home. I remember I, I, my mm. friend, he had introduced me to this principal and he was just telling me all the needs of the school and the school was only five minutes up the street. But, you know, of course, at the time mm. when I wasn't driving, I had to walk and I, it, it was no pressure. And after a while, I, I had an opportunity to meet one of the super attendants, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, look what ha- like look what happens when you when you when you have a genuine heart to serve. And then, like you said, you solve a, you solve, solving the problem, solving the issue. So if the kids are doing better academically or they're behaving, behaving better, you know, then that shows, Oh, that solves a problem. And I was able to meet in, uh, the super, one of the superintendents. And I was just like shocked. And I, I, I think I, I won't never forget that moment. So anytime somebody, like you said, talks, when you mentioned serving, especially like in your brand of business, Man, you never know how how you know that blessing can come you know back around. You know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely, definitely. I definitely did some research on you. Uh, I I know that you mentioned um about cancer. So when you had when you had that, did you already were were you already did you already have your business or was it after you beat cancer? Well, I had already been um, consulting on the side and I worked at the university full time at mm-hmm. that point. And um, I had my business, but I was not as active. And I was definitely focusing more on, of course, meeting the needs of my nine to five as opposed to, you know, uh, making. And, and it wasn't even called Inspire Engage Educate. Like at that point, I was just literally working with schools because I have the, you know, the intellectual property, of course, that would benefit them and the skills, you know. So, of course, schools would partner with me, have me come do professional development because that's just something that I've been doing for what about 10 or 12 years now. So, uh, it was uh, after cancer when I just decided to make it legit, you know, to go ahead, get the LLC and really put the effort, the time. And I'm still nowhere near where I will be. Mm. However, I am much further than I was. Right, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So you so you were in in it but you was more so committed to the nine to five i got you i got you so absolutely so what were some things i i i went to your website and i seen that you offer multiple services what was that planning process like for you to get multiple services under one brand that's what it seems like you see i know you said i know it's motivational speaking the apparel then you have Mm -hmm. a business 
uh, consulting service as well. So you have all these services and the apparel line. And it looks, mm-hmm. seems like it's under one brand, if I'm not mistaken. How were, okay, it gotcha, is. gotcha. It How is. were you able to leverage that and uh, put that together as one? Well, because I I wanted to make a, a company that provided the the type of service that I know that I would have wanted as an educator and a as a uh, a bubbling entrepreneur as I was still and an educator. So my niche client are like my, the my clients are mostly educators. And entrepreneurs, of course, people who, you know, who um, find themselves connected with the um, the words that are on my apparel line, like the I'm not great by mistake or the I'm in love with Bay and that's building ambitious endeavors or the, you know, intellectual property not for free. You know, so there are a lot of uh, ways that I've been able to connect with um, with people who are not in my target audience. However, my target audience, it is, it's the, you know, the aspiring educator, the educator, the aspiring entrepreneur and the entrepreneur, like that's, that's who I serve. And that's just pretty like a a reflection of who I am. And um, that's pretty much it. So that's how I was able to decide what services that I knew that, um, that would be beneficial. And I felt that it would solve a lot of the um, concerns and needs that I witnessed in my field. Wow. So you basically, you basically took all the information that you knew from your experiences, you being an educator, mm-hmm. then you said, you know what, I know this is definitely a need and this would definitely solve a problem because you were a teacher yourself. I mean, a classroom, classroom teacher yourself. So, Wow. That is that's pretty smart. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the that's the blessing because I didn't stay just as a classroom teacher. You know, like I said, I'm I will forever be an educator. Like education is what I do. You know, my baby and I call her baby but she's thirteen. You know, she's a homeschool um student. So she's been in homeschool for two years. However, the the pedagogy, like the the art of teaching if if that's embedded in you or that's your skill set, the content just changes. But the skills are still there. So my content, when I'm working with uh, someone who has a passion, but they don't know how to change it into a plan and a brand, I still have those same uh, strategies that I inherited as an educator or, you know, I've studied and I've learned and we're able to, you know, add that. So in education, that's called... Um, you can synthesize things. And so that's pretty much what it is. You take what skills you've learned and apply it to a different situation. And that's all it is. Right. And, oh, man, that's that's dope, man. And it's just for people who are out there listening, like, that was definitely Jim. So if you are working and say, for example, just whoever may be um, listening, if you are working the nine to five and say that nine to five, you have a passion for it. It's something that you enjoy doing, but you like your calling is to start your own branding business. You can literally take what you learn from your nine to five, the skill sets and the tools and resources that you were able to learn at your job and use that. You utilize that knowledge in your own business. 
you know. So that was just I just thought about that tip as, as you were speaking. I I think that's that's yeah. pretty smart. Absolutely. That is that I mean that is the that is the nucleus of everything. You want to like you want to live your life with purpose. And in in my opinion, I feel that fueling someone else's dreams leaves your goal. Say it again. Say it again. Fueling someone else's dreams leaves your goals wow. on empty. So, you know, and what, and I'll share this with you. I remember also having an epiphany. I live in Atlanta and in Atlanta, we have areas that, uh, that people who have uh, done extremely well for themselves, like Buckhead. And we, my daughter and I, we were driving and I always drive through Buckhead. I love looking at, you know, beautiful homes. And this time, this uh, particular time when I drove uh, down the, um, it was, it's what, Paces Ferry. I was looking at the homes and they're so, they're so huge. And instead of, I had an epiphany. It was like, why are you just looking at these homes and not seeing them as yours? You know, like there is no cap. There is no. I only have this job, so this is all I can do, or this is what I have to do. No, I'm not great by mistake. So meaning that there is no limit to where my uh, finances, where my, whatever it is that you're trying to obtain, there is no limit. We limit ourselves. So, you know, that was just my epiphany that I did want to share with you as well. I I just decided that no longer was I going to allow someone else to just you know be okay they can be amazing but not for me no it's okay for me to be great for me to be amazing and for this to be a goal that I work toward as well so wow that's that's inspiring too that has that has me thinking you know so definitely um something that I could apply personally in my life and so we're we're getting close to the end of the podcast I I do have about two more questions and we can go ahead and uh, wrap it up. So for you, especially during this whole virus situation, I know that pretty sure that schools and different things are resumed back to normal in August for the most part. That's what it looks like. What, what, where, even during this time period, where do you see your brain? in the next five years? You know what? That is a really good question. When I think about my brand in the next five years, I immediately go to where I will be in life. My daughter will be 18. She will be leaving to go to college. And I will be at that point with uh, other I would I don't I don't even know if they're going to be employees or if they're just going to be contracted workers. But the services that I that I provide to schools, I'll be at that point contracting others to do it. I'll be of course traveling, doing speaking engagements. At that point, I will have a complete uh factory of people creating, you know, I'll of course design and then they'll be creating my apparel line. And that's what I'll be doing, traveling and, you know, consulting and but consulting at a, at a very high level. And I will have, you know, contracted workers, other educators, be it if they're doing it on the side or, you know, full time, they will be going out and implementing those strategies that 
I came up with for schools. Wow. Yeah, that's, that definitely sounds like a plan. And I, and honestly, just, just being real, man, I enjoyed this time um, interviewing you and, and chopping it up with you and just learning, just learning more about you. Wow, you know, you going through uh, through cancer, and I did see that on your website. I did get the opportunity to check out your website uh, last night, did some research, did a little bit more studying on you before before we did this and just to see you persevere, you know, and, and thank you so much. So what, look, what else did you learn? What else um, did you learn? I, all right. So <laughs> I did learn, you know, with the skill set of taking your nine to five and actually applying the skills that you learn from, like from your job and then applying it to your business. I think that's, that's definitely a gem. And finding a mentor, finding somebody in your lane that's already dominating, that's killing the game, you know, join their program, whatever it is they offer, you you know, definitely make the investment. So that was some key takeaways as well. So, uh, so yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Well, it's been amazing speaking with you. You know, like I told you, I see nothing but greatness for you and, I'm truly proud of you. And I know you said that you started in what, 14, 16 in college or, and the great thing about college is that it's people try to uh, put numbers and years and restraints around how long it should take you, but it's an experience of evolution. So there is no way that you can enter college and within from year to year, you don't change or you don't have various epiphanies. So, you know, I want you to, you know, be consistent, be focused. If this is definitely where you feel that your ministry is or your life's work is, is to inspire children or, you know, schools or teachers or to work with schools or teachers. And even if it changes, I'll tell you this, we use YouTube for videos, but it actually uh, was created to do, I think, dating. It was like a dating, supposed to be a dating website. So within businesses, our ideas, they shift, they change, they pivot and be okay for that to happen. But also remember that you have to make sure that it brings you joy. And that's just it. That's it. That's it. That's it to it. And I appreciate you. So where can people follow you at? Well, I would love you guys to uh, visit the website, Inspire, Engage, Educate, and it's www.inspireengageeducate.com. And I'm on Instagram, Inspire, Engage, Educate. It's full three words, literally, Inspire, Engage, Educate. And also on Facebook, Inspire, Engage, Educate. I am on Twitter. And that is my name backwards. My name is Tiara Reed, but on Twitter, it's Reed Tiara. So um, it's been a pleasure, and I just want everybody to know that I'm not great by mistake, and neither are you. So everything that you've gone through, and I want to thank you, um, Dre, for even bringing up the questions or uh, generating those, because it made me think about some things uh, that I haven't even thought about, like my upbringing and things like that, because they all um, add to our incredible incredible path so everything that happens makes you great you just gotta that's take all it. to it that's all to it well thank you and that is the podcast
Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.